Hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this conversation style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. So whether you're joining us from a treadmill, from your desk, or while chauffeuring kids all around town with their stinky socks and sports equipment, we are seriously grateful you're here. So I'm curious, how many of us are legitimately shocked when we stumble into a trial? Some call it a storm, a fire, a hardship, some form of suffering that flips life as we know it completely upside down. Of course, no one wants to face hard things or God forbid to suffer, but just because we're quote unquote good people or even followers of Christ, that does not make us immune from the sting of this broken world. In fact, Jesus himself said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I appreciate how Jesus didn't sugarcoat things. I'm also glad he didn't leave us to fend for ourselves. Instead, he gave us his word, his spirit, and the strength to endure, to keep going. Even in the midst of trials and suffering, God is still right there. Maybe your precious baby will not stop crying. Maybe someone you respected painfully betrayed your trust. Maybe your finances are in a chaotic mess and you're not sure where to go from here. Maybe you were given a scary diagnosis or someone you love is no longer here. Maybe it's simply the overwhelming demands of everyday life that just feel like too much. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And later he goes on to say, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. But even if we know this, how can we have joy in the face of real suffering? Y'all, my guest today at the messy table is my good friend, Jennifer Cantrell. Jen is a wife, mama, and sold-out follower of Jesus who is definitely no stranger to hard things. You might even say she has the right to be angry, confused, or disappointed. But still, she's discovered unshakable joy even in the middle of suffering. Still, God has not left her, but has met her in her mess. Guys, this conversation is so rich in wisdom and eternal perspective. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Jen. Jen, welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you. Hi. So this is super fun because you were actually my first friend in Tulsa back when Derek and I were newlyweds 13 years ago. That's so crazy to think it was that long ago. It really is. So I remember the first night we met you, a pastor named Todd Roy had told us that we should be in your life group. And I remember sitting around your table and you had on pink scrubs and you were <laughs> like barely pregnant with Kesley. Yeah. And I don't even know if you had told a lot of people yet, but for some reason we got to be in on the secret. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we talked about periods and sex and Jesus and like <laughs> all the things. We dove right in. <laughs> <laughs> so we go way back. But for those who don't know anything about you, just give us a little peek into your world, your family, your life and give us the scoop on you. Okay. Well, I'm married and I've been married for almost 15 years now this month, actually. I have three kids, two girls and a boy, and I currently homeschool. This is my sixth year to homeschool. Yeah. So that's a full-time job for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for me, I love just being active. I love working out. I love going on hikes. I love also just spending time in the word and, you know, researching, learning more. Um, I like teaching Bible studies and uh, doing small groups. Uh, newly married groups is kind of my favorite thing right mm -hmm. now. We just wrapped one up. We have a pretty busy life with sports and uh, just doing family things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
So I feel like you're the queen of being on top of things. Like, (laughs) I know you're not perfect, but you kind of have it together. As a busy homeschooling, chauffeuring mama of three who's involved in many things, um, you have to let us in on some of your secrets. Tell us. (laughs) Okay. What are some like life hacks? Okay. Well, one of the things that helps me a lot during the week is having a menu plan. Mm. So I try to start at the beginning of the week and just line out my meals for the week. That way I can go to the store, hopefully one time. Occasionally I have to get something and go back. Mm -hmm. Is this on Saturday, Sunday? When do you do this? Um, Yeah, typically. I mean, I try to typically do it on the weekends, like maybe on a a Saturday or Sunday. Occasionally I'll do Friday if I know my weekend's going to be busy. Mm -hmm. And then I will go ahead and have that lined out, kind of have a grocery list going. That way I know I'm going to have all my supplies and I'm going to have to think about dinner. That way I know I can show up if I've got a busy night. I've got a quick meal for those nights. And so that's one of my mm-hmm. best kept secrets is just menu planning. Yes. And then um, I do some of my major things I like to have done, like say my deep cleaning. Mm-hmm. I also have a scheduled day for that. I also have laundry days. So mm-hmm. I really, organization is a big thing for me just to be able to get all of those things done okay. that need to be done. Okay. I know. But that way I feel like I can actually have more room to be spontaneous because that sounds really structured. But if I get my large things done, then I know I'm free during the day. Which is kind of your motivation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that way, if, you know, there's a random thing that comes up, I can do it say yes. And then my other thing I would mention is, so I don't like to wash my hair every day because, mm-hmm. you know, I have, well, I have long hair. And so it takes me forever to dry it because I have so much hair. And so one of my go-tos is just using the curling wand and putting curls in it. It just kind of disguises, you know, it looks like, yes. hey, you've done your hair. And really I'm like, nope, I didn't even wash it. That and dry shampoo <laughs> is yes. my thing. Yes. And also braids. I sometimes will, you know, do some kind of braid and pull my hair to the side bun or, or back and it's just, you know, I guess a hat too. That's always a great yes. go-to. <laughs> so I'm wearing a hat right now yep. as we're recording this. And she has in this cute little stylish braid. So <laughs> I know you can't see her, but she's pretty adorable and trendy. <laughs> um, okay. Let's also go back to meal planning because okay. everybody needs to know you're like a Costco guru. You could totally be one of those people who share all the insight. <laughs> Right. I, so I have thought about it. I have See? thought about it. I love, yeah, I really do love all things Costco. I have just been able to find my way around there really easily and be able to put meals together. So I've thought about actually doing some reviews for their products. See, you so totally just to help do other it. people because it's so big when you go in, if you're not used to it, you don't mm-hmm. know where to go. So what are your favorite items? Like top three that you have to have every time you go. Okay. There's a chicken that I love. That's the chili lime chicken. It's okay. not spicy. It's pre-marinated, has okay. no antibiotics. Do you grill it or bake it? Yeah. Um, I sometimes grill it or, I mean, you could bake it too, but we also have that new sous vide water bath that we use for like all of our meats. So look that up on Food Network. <laughs> My face. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know. It is awesome. Really? It's really like this big water bath that you can stick all kinds of meat in it. A and water bath for food? Yeah. It's in, it goes in like a freezer storage like, I bag. I like a bath for me. I know. <laughs> it makes it so moist because of the water it's cooked oh. in. That's the secret. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of chicken again? So chili lime chicken. Chili lime chicken, but yes. it's not spicy. Not spicy. No. And you can do a variety of things with it. Okay. Stir fry, Mexican. Yes. What else? Um, another go-to is I love their guacamole. They have mm. the pre, you know, pre-made little packs of guacamole. Yeah. I love to make my own, but you know, you just sometimes don't have time for I it. I love their white queso. It is it's so good. Basically made by angels themselves. Yes. So yes. amazing. And if you are a cinnamon roll fan and you feel like a treat, 
they do bake their own cinnamon rolls there. They're like $7 and you just heat them in your oven. And I have to say, they're pretty good. They're, you know, instead of wasting all your time cooking it. Well, I've had your homemade cinnamon rolls and you do like caramel or something. Uh, and yes. so are they it's, better than that? Or I just... don't think it's better than that, but I mean, it's close. It, you can definitely, for a time saver, right. I mean, they are great. All right. Well, I'm ready for you to do those videos and <laughs> give us more scoop. Okay. I'll get on that. <laughs> well, here we are at the messy table. So when have things been messy, chaotic, challenging, but still got us shown up and met you in your mess? Well, for me, probably my biggest, messiest time was right around 2008. Um, my mom at this point had started noticing some health symptoms going on. It kind of had lasted for a couple of years. So we knew something was going on, but just weren't sure exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. So she started limping and tripping occasionally and eventually went up to her left arm. And so finally she decided to go to the doctor. And at this point I had a uh, one-year-old daughter and then my other daughter was hmm, roughly six months old. So pretty young. Yeah, and you didn't mention that they are like exactly a year apart. Yes, that's very true. Which is a little crazy whenever that <laughs> yes. was happening. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, so she went to the doctor and ended up getting a diagnosis of MS, which is multiple sclerosis. And she actually had the progressive form of it, which is a little bit rarer. Uh, the symptoms are a little bit closer to ALS, mm -hmm. which is Lou Gehrig's. And so you basically lose function slowly over time. There isn't really a lot of medications that can help with it. So when we found out that diagnosis, obviously it was um, hard to handle just because we knew probably the end, you know, was not going to be good already going forward with it. So it kind of started out really as just she took it pretty well to begin with and just thought, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm going to, you know, just do my best to eat healthy and, and continue on. So for the next about year or so, I would just go over to her house daily and stretch her and just try to keep her limber and help her with whatever she needed help with around the house. And I'm just bringing the kids with me. And then um, I remember during that season, uh, one night when I was falling asleep, it just kind of hit me of like, wow, she could like, she could die from this. Mm -hmm. And that is when I think really it kind of sunk in for me that, you know, this was really real and it affected me to the point of just having some anxiety and, mm -hmm. and fear about it. And so I actually went through probably, I think it was about a year to a year and a half of having trouble sleeping. Mm. And so that was another mini trial within kind of this mm -hmm. trial with I my remember mom. This. Yes. And so that was difficult because I'd always been an awesome sleeper. Like I, once I hit the pillow, I was out. But now my mind was just racked with, you know, worry and fear and things like, oh, who am I going to talk to about this? Because I went to my mom for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And really what I learned through that season as I was walking through that struggle was just, I had really misplaced my relationship with my mom kind of above God in some ways because I had thought, you know, she was so important in going to her for these things, even though it's good to go to people for advice, that it couldn't be so earth shattering to me that it was going to cause me to lose my peace and uh, be afraid of what God might allow. I had to really uh, transfer that trust to him and go to him for those things. So that was kind of a journey for me as I was going through this. And, and as my mom was kind of progressing in the disease, I was learning to rest and trust um, through the process and through the anxiety that okay, mm -hmm. God's with me here. Um, so time kind of went by for the next couple of years and, and she just kept progressing. And so 
I ended up uh, moving houses to another house where um, I could have my mom come to my house during this time and during the day. So she would come from about seven in the morning till seven at night. Mm -hmm. And I would just, you know, she needed help with things like walking to the bathroom and a little bit of eating. I had to prepare her food, things like that. And she got to be around her grandkids. I, I, yeah, she got to be around her grandkids, which is a great blessing. And at that time, too, I was pregnant with my third. So I had um, two and one and then pregnant. And so that was, you know, obviously tiring to be able to take care of somebody with physical needs while pregnant and having two really young children. Uh, that took a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. But it was also a blessing because I knew that I could, you know, serve her and I just wanted her to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. because she was losing so much. So after that, um, probably right after I had delivered my third baby, a few months later, uh, she had been back at my house and I was still taking care of her. And I got word that she was going to possibly have to go into a nursing home. Mm -hmm. Well, at this point in time, physically, she had not progressed far enough to where my husband and I really felt like that was what the next step should be. And we just really both felt in our hearts that we needed to take her in and that she needed to come and live with us. And it really wasn't too much of a second guess type question. You know, we just really felt that prompting. Mm -hmm. So we kind of jumped on it and thought, okay, here we go. And we had nurses telling us, what are you thinking? This is going to destroy your marriage. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, not good for your family. But we knew, you know, Mm -hmm. if this is something God's calling us, then he always gives you the strength and ability to do it. And I feel like a blessing was that you were both always on the same page. Like God really united you guys together as a couple, which was really amazing to see. Yes. Yeah. That was great because, you know, had he not been on board with that decision, it would have been so much harder. So I'm really progress. Yeah. So we ended up taking her in full time, like to live with us when my son, was nine months old. And so she came in full time and we had to make some adjustments of equipment, things like a lift chair to help her um, get up when we were lifting. Uh, Of course, a wheelchair. She had to have a separate little uh, pot, like a potty chair. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how you can describe it to use because just with her function, she wasn't able to use uh, normal things anymore. So we started, you know, basically our daily routine was I was feeding her, lifting her, taking her to the bathroom, showering her, Mm -hmm. um, trying to do that during nap times, (laughs) you know, putting kids down, you know, trying to squeeze it in there. And eventually we got to the point where we did need some more help just because physically, (laughs) yes, I could not manage Mm -hmm. all of those things without some help. So we started having some nurses um, come in just maybe like two hours a day in the morning just Mm -hmm. to do the showering for me. But... I just want to stop you real quick. And obviously we're going through this really quickly, but I just want everyone to hear like each one of these stages were months or maybe even years. This was you truly serving your mother in such a beautiful way for days and weeks and months over and over and over and over and over again. So, you know, you say it so quickly, but this was not like over a few weeks. Right. Exactly. Yes. This was months. Yes. In total, she ended up living with us for two years. So Mm -hmm. yes, this was over the course of two years. And, um, yes, when we had the nursing coming, you know, nurses coming in, that was another challenge in and of itself because, uh, the way her body worked with MS, it would get really rigid. So it wasn't very easy to lift, you know, sometimes with other conditions, your body's kind of floppy and you can just lift and maneuver and it's, you know, not as bad, but it would just be so rigid that there was just specialized things you had to know about it, of how to lift and what her body would do if you did a certain movement wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that had to be communicated to the nurses coming in. So 
at first I was having to do all the training during those two hours, mm. which again was tough with, you know, babies and, and yeah. little ones. And all the so, normal things yes, that are going all on. The normal things. Yes. And thankfully I kept thinking, I don't know how my three-year-old and two-year-old did not get into any trouble during mm-hmm. those moments. I mean, mm-hmm. God was just being so gracious to just keep them occupied with toys or whatever. I, you know, maybe a little cartoon real quick while I was doing that. So you know, all his provisions along the way just to help keep it as peaceful as possible. We're definitely seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then we went through, I had lost count really of how many nurses we had to go through before we could actually find one that could do it and mm-hmm. that could stay with us. So we had two different ones that came pretty consistently. And then eventually they had to quit and we found a replacement who ended up being our long-term mm-hmm. nurse. And she really became a friend to my mom, which was such a great blessing for her. Mm-hmm. And someone, I mean, you know, the trust you have to have mm-hmm. for someone to be showering you and taking you to the bathroom and you know that's very vulnerable yes. so so it's such a great relief to know okay I can trust this you know other mm-hmm. lady to take care of her during those couple of hours so yeah so then as it progressed a little bit more um, the nurse had to start coming a little more often where she could come in the afternoon also take her to the restroom things mm-hmm. like that and then um, help at night tucking her into bed but we had a bedtime routine where my husband would have to lift her put her in bed and then you know a little while later go in and lay her down um, as it progressed though it became more work at night too. You know, we would have to turn her and cause she would get sore and yeah. things like that. So, uh, and even in the middle of the day, same thing. She's, I mean, all she could do was sit in her chair. She had basically started to lose function. Um, almost in both arms. It had mm-hmm. kind of crossed over her body. Right. But her mind was still there the entire time. Yes. Oh yes. Which I think would be amazing and also really challenging. Oh, it was. And I have to talk about her for just a minute because really her, her attitude through the whole process was amazing. I mean, she did not hardly complain at all. It Mm. had to be something really bothering her, you know, to have to mention it or talk about it. Um, she was always smiling. So that made our job so much easier to take care of somebody in that state. I mean, she could have easily been bitter Mm. or, uh, mad, you know, about her thing, but she would always say, well, why not me? Mm. And I always thought, wow, how could you say, why not me? Because everyone else is asking, why me? Yes, in that situation. exactly. So she just, she flipped it around. And I think that helped her to have joy in the midst of suffering. And also just to realize that she knew it was a temporary thing and her hope had to be eternal. It could not be temporary anymore. You know, mm. there was, there was nothing here to hope in, you know, besides just knowing, okay, God is with me and helping me each mm. day. So she really had to rely, I think, on you know, just having that daily bread, like God's going to meet my need for today. And I'm not Mm going to think about tomorrow or those struggles, but he used you. And I honestly see a lot of your mom in you. So thank you. I think, you know, having a good attitude through suffering, of course, is such a testimony to genuine faith and and knowing, you know, sometimes we get caught up in theology thinking we got to know what this means or, you know, these deep, things of of the Bible, but really being able to live it out like that and realize that even in the worst of the worst scenarios that you can still trust and have joy. Because you can't fake that. No, especially not in front of family. You know, people that you're comfortable with, the real stuff is going to be squeezed out. It is going to be squeezed out. Yes. And I mean, we even had, you know, we would try to make light of a lot of situations that really... could be really or embarrassing horrible. or horrible and we would just laugh so yeah we tried to make the best of the situation as we could mm-hmm. the hardships though through this process as it was progressing 
was super hard to be able to watch somebody slowly deteriorate. Mm -hmm. And because the rate was so slow, it was slow, even, but quick. Yeah. I mean, it kind of was in her instance. Yeah. In her instance. But, you know, little bits of function would start to. So she would almost get used to it. And it was hard for her to even realize how much function she had actually lost because oh. she just got so used to, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like that analogy of the, the frog and the warm water and you start turning it up and it doesn't even realize that yeah. it's boiling, yes. you know? And I mean, that's kind of how Derek it was. Does that, or says that whenever I'm taking a bath and because <laughs> sometimes it's so hot and yeah. then he'll touch the water. He's like, you're a lobster. <laughs> yes. I'm like, well, it feels good. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes that was a challenge because when we knew she needed the next phase of care or say the next um, type of wheelchair or something like that, it was really hard to convince mm. her that that was a need. And so there was a lot of pushback. So that became a strain a little bit on our relationship too, just because we wanted what was best for her and trying to help her, but yet, you know, it was hard for her to receive. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you don't want to believe that you're getting worse. You're trying to hold out some right. hope thinking maybe, maybe this is going to be okay. Well, and I remember even from the very beginning, it almost seemed like she didn't want to be a burden and she wasn't, yeah. but I just kind of remember that even at the beginning, you know, not really super excited to probably go to the doctor and find out yes. that something is indeed wrong because, you know, you, you want to be strong and you don't want to be a burden to anyone. And so yes. I'm sure it was going through her mind as. Oh yeah, absolutely. Progressed. And she always, yeah, she always felt bad about that thinking like, I don't want, you know, didn't be interrupting anything. And I said, mom, but look at all that you did for me. And yes. if it was me, wouldn't you exactly. be doing this for me? Sometimes you have to turn it around. You yes. would do this for me. Yes. Something made her feel better for sure. But yeah, so as it, as it, you know, kind of kept on getting worse and we were getting just, it was getting more exhausting. It was mm -hmm. getting harder and harder, especially with no sleep at night, just a little sleep. And really for my husband, he was having to take a lot of that role on because to be able to lift her and turn her to the point that she needed, um, just worked better for him to be able to do that mm -hmm. too. And he was nice enough to say, Hey, you're doing this all during the day. I'll take night shifts because, you know, he could deal a little bit better without some of that sleep at work than I could. I felt mm -hmm. like I just, I think it showed more on me when I wasn't getting that sleep. I really needed that rest with my busy days. Yes. So that was really nice of him to jump into. And mm -hmm. um, I remember someone telling me that every time that he lifted her from the wheelchair to the seat at church that they cried. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. You know, people I mean, notice like, yeah, here you are. Yeah. Just doing whatever it takes. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Yeah. We took her to church every week. You know, that was her only time that she could really get out because riding in a car was really difficult for her to, at this point, just holding her uh, body up, her mm -hmm. abs were losing strength. So just being able to sit upright was getting hard. Right. So, and um, she's so young. Like how old was oh, she when things yes. were going on? She was in her early fifties. Yeah. 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 So young. And she was healthy too. I have to say, I mean, she was always fit mm -hmm. eating well. So this was a very big shock because mm -hmm. physically you would not have imagined this for her. Mm -hmm. But yes, yeah, so she, so we take her to church every week and that was such a blessing too. And, you know, during this time, I was just thinking through of, uh, certain activities that I would do for her and getting her ready for church and putting her makeup on and doing her hair and, mm -hmm. you know, getting her dressed and just thinking as I was doing that, I think God would remind me of the gospel, you know, that he did for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that's exactly what we were doing and modeling for her is just doing what she could not do for herself. But yet sometimes she would think she still had the ability to do mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. and she'd go, oh, well, no, I, I can still do that. And then she'd have to actually have to say, well, okay, go ahead and try. And then she would see that she couldn't. And just constantly was a reminder to me that sometimes we love to have that confidence in ourselves thinking, well, I can do that, God, you know, or I don't need you to do this. And really, we're so weak, just like her mm -hmm. in that situation and just so vulnerable that we need 
Jesus, you know, we every need him every day. Yes. And just with the cross, you know, just how he did the finished work for us because we literally were that helpless that we could not pay for our sin, for our mm-hmm. debt, but he stepped in where we couldn't. And so there's a lot of great pictures that we could see in the caregiving process mm-hmm. of what he does for us on a daily basis. But how amazing that you were able to see that because you were willing to step into the suffering and step into the pain. And I think a lot of people miss out on those if you could call them treasures because it's too hard. Exactly. And, you know, they don't want to do it. Exactly. Yes. And you will miss out on the things that God is really wanting to show you about himself and about just the true, I call them like the true riches, you know, in life, Mm -hmm. these little things that just you miss if you're not looking, if you're not listening, and if you're not willing to receive what he's calling you into, just because you're afraid of a little pain or hardship. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's a lot of pain. Oh, yes. But yes. that doesn't mean that God isn't in that too. Absolutely. And it even intensified, you know, so from there, um, she ended up because of her MS, uh, swallowing was affected. So every time she would eat, swallowing would be um, really hard. And there's that little flap that kind of covers your lungs, you know, in the trachea as it goes down. And so it would open and it wouldn't close where it should. And so food particles would go down into the lungs. And over time you develop pneumonia. Mm-hmm. So she got a bacterial infection from that and ended up in the hospital. Well, the first time that that happened, um, she recovered and it was just a few days in the hospital. And at that point we really were highly considering, you know, are we going to be able to continue care mm-hmm. in the house? Because because it was taking two people sometimes to lift her to the bathroom and it was getting really dangerous. And I didn't always have, you know, during the day I was by myself. So I was really concerned of her falling and breaking a hip or something like that. So um, this is when it got really hard for me because I... I knew she never, ever, ever wanted to go into a nursing home and nor did I ever want to put her in one. But when you start thinking safety and you start thinking, you know, family and just the toll it's taking to, you can't do it all. Yeah. And you cannot do it all. And so I just, we prayed and prayed through that. And we actually set out a couple markers of just things that we knew we wanted God um, to show us that if these things happened, then we would know, okay, Lord, you're bringing this time to an end for us and that it's okay to kind of be released from the task Mm -hmm. because my biggest fear was, wow, I've put all this into it and gone all this way. I would hate to just, when it's getting more intense, I don't want to give up in the very end. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted to see it through. That wasn't the case. Right. But it was one of those things you kind of wrestle with, you know, to know, okay, you also want to be strong and (laughs) be there for her. And I get that. Yes. Yes. And just knowing the timing, you know, because sometimes Mm -hmm. he's got, you just, you're just wanting to make sure you're listening correctly and getting that timing right. So finally we felt, you know, those couple of things had happened that we had asked him to, to do. And, uh, we felt released from that task and had that peace of like, okay, even though this doesn't seem great, we know that if he's giving us peace, he will take care of the situation and bring her the nurses that she needs, you know, in the nursing home. So she ended up going into the nursing home from the hospital and uh, obviously very hard transition for her and us. I mean, we, it was, it was hard. We mm-hmm. even thought about that night, the first night she was in there because it was such a hard transition. We thought, do we need to go back and get her? And we had that conversation, but we just thought we've got to see it through. It, mm-hmm. God, God will provide. And he did, he brought in, you know, some, some great nurses for her and, um, she did end up transitioning. Okay. It was just hard to have to, you know, now we are working on visitations and driving She was about 30 mm-hmm. minutes away from us at this point. So that was a little bit difficult. Um, in scheduling too. But at that point, 
I think what became hard was um, she, I can't remember exactly the time frame that she was in that first nursing home, but it was with a few, a few months. And then I got word that she had to be removed from that nursing home and she had two weeks to find another nursing home. So the difficulty in that is that just to even find one that would take her in the level of care that she is was nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. Most people do not take them in at that point. So uh, the other challenge was she was going to have to be put on Medicaid. And it's very hard for a nursing home to accept a patient not, you know, with no income, no payment. So Again, another form of God's provision was just um, within that two weeks time. Sure enough, we found one Mm -hmm. and actually ended up being about 10 minutes to Mm -hmm. our house, which was such a blessing. And uh, they agreed to take her in on Medicaid pending, which Mm -hmm. we were told never happens. So they just kept accruing, yeah, bills for that. And so you know, we visited over, she was in there for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately she had aspiration pneumonia one more time. And they kind of had told us, you know, if she gets this again, the chances of her recovering are are pretty slim. So we kind of knew, you know, this was probably going to be, be the end. Um, so she was in the hospital for, I believe it was about a week or so could have been maybe a little bit longer than that. And, uh, unfortunately she lost her fight to that, uh, pneumonia Mm -hmm. and ended up passing away. Um, but the great thing was, is that her family and I got to, were in the room when it happened, even though it was not a peaceful passing, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but I was just thankful she was not, you know, by herself and that we could be there and encourage her and and just pray Mm -hmm. during that transition. So, Mm. Yeah. And yeah. we were actually just talking that it was five years ago yesterday as yes. of the time that we're recording this. Yep. I know. It's hard to, be- I mean, it's hard to believe. Sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday and sometimes it feels like a long time ago at this, you know, at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's truly amazing though, you know, as a friend to watch you guys just surround her and love her the way that Jesus literally would. Such a testament to God's faithfulness in people just like he tells us that the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us to do good works. And I think sometimes we think, oh, well, those good works are probably going to be like, I'm speaking from stage or I'm doing something really awesome and sexy. Mm -hmm. And really sometimes, most of the time, a lot of the time, it's stepping into pain and suffering with others and just walking them through it. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, there really are opportunities all around you, whether it's your own family, whether it's friends, neighbors, that if you get involved in people's lives, you can see the ways and opportunities for you to be able to help. And there's a lot of hurting people around. And I think, you know, one of the ways that we can best love is, is giving of ourselves and sacrificing. And he said, you know, greater love has no man than the one who lays down his life for his friends. And so when we're laying down our lives and putting aside some of the things that we want to do, we actually end up finding true life because Mm -hmm. we actually see the joy in serving and in helping. And it really fills us up, you know? So tell me how you practically do that. And maybe not just in the case with your mom, but Mm -hmm. in in other cases, you know, that we've seen you guys or or other people serve. Yeah. Because I think a lot of time people think, oh, I want to do that, but I also don't want to do it. And it's (laughs) hard. How do you bite the bullet and just do it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost kind of like you said, I mean, you really have to decide, you have to just know ahead of time before an opportunity really presents itself, that you are going to be the person that says, yes, I'm going to step in and help. And, and yes, no matter the the cost, I'm willing to lay that down and serve God if this is where he's, you know, calling me to do. Mm-hmm. And 
really the two greatest commandments are loving God and loving people. Mm -hmm. So when we love, we are giving up of ourselves and we are being kind and we are not self-seeking. So I think it's just, but that doesn't mean just loving them when things are good. No, it's going through the hard, you know, the hard things too. And I think, again, it's, it's really a disservice to yourself to not jump in because you really do miss out. Like God shows up in so many ways. You'll miss miracles. You'll miss things that he's speaking to you, different metaphors he's showing you during the time and how it relates, you know, to him and, and spiritual things. So I feel like there's nothing more exciting than being able to watch Mm. him work and watch him answer prayer and when you are in the midst of doing something like that, you will see him so clearly. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thankful because, you know, I know that I, when doing those things and saying yes to that, I don't have regrets. I don't sit back and go, gosh, if I would have done that, if I would have helped, if That's I would have, you know, taken her in, I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I could, even if it was costly, right. I wasn't going to be sad that I did that. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that I got to do that mm-hmm. and know that I, you know, got to love her well right. and show her God's love. But when hard things happen, our natural tendency is to ask why, Mm -hmm. especially to God. Why, Mm -hmm. God, is this happening? Why are you allowing this to happen? Mm -hmm. So what do you make of God's sovereignty even in the midst of suffering? Oh, yeah. And of course, in those moments, I, you know, I asked him that too. I mean, I I wrestled. Yeah, I wrestled with that just saying, Lord, this doesn't really seem to make sense. You know, Mm -hmm. why, why would this be the path? But I think oftentimes he reminded me that suffering is the way of the cross. And if he suffered, we have to suffer in life. That's just part of becoming like him. It's part of being in a world where there's pain and sin Mm -hmm. and and sorrow. And this isn't, this is our temporary home. It's not our forever home. And so we experience those things while we're here. But if we have that eternal perspective, we understand that this is not forever Mm -hmm. and that um, God promises to bring good out of each of those scenarios, even though it hurts. Another Mm -hmm. promise we have in Psalms too is that nothing will harm us. And so it's not that we don't have pain or we don't have hurt, but harm is um, involved with destruction. And so that we know that when we go through hard things, it's not going to destroy us. We may be hurt and we may be wounded, but we will not be damaged Mm -hmm. in that way, you know, that's detrimental to us. Right. And that's speaking of also, or mainly our eternal salvation, our Mm -hmm. eternal soul, and not just our physical body. Because like what you mentioned, that is temporary. Yes. And it's so hard to wrap our heads around because we're right here in the here and now we're living on earth. We have our family that we love. We're pursuing, you know, careers or certain passions, whatever it might be. But we really have to look at this world through the lens of an eternal perspective, Mm -hmm. or we're not going to see it clearly. No, we're not going to see it clearly. And again, we'll miss out on the opportunities that we do have around us if we're not thinking eternally, because we will be so focused on the busyness of day-to-day life, Mm -hmm. and we won't be able to see all that he is doing. Mm -hmm. And we have to spend our lives on behalf of others. Like in Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61, he talks about um, the kind of fasting that he sees worthy is laying down your life, others, spending your life on them, um, giving food to the hungry. Mm-hmm. It's all in reference to, to others. And so I think um, when we're looking at what we are to do around us, we have to look through the perspective and the lens of what is God's main purpose for us while we're here, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to know, how did you fight back when your flesh was crying out? Because I know there were really hard moments. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about when you weren't sleeping. And I remember us praying for you to sleep because you would go to sleep late and then you'd wake up at like two. I know one thing that I remember you doing was just memorizing scripture and just Mm -hmm. saying scripture to yourself over and over again. What other Mm -hmm. things did you do in those hard times? Because it's not that they weren't there to fight back. Yeah. 
Um, I think for fighting back is I just had to, I had to take it one day at a time and I had to say, okay, today, uh, I can get through today because God is with me and he's my help and my strength. And I'm not going to look at tomorrow and I'm not going to look at a month from now. I'm going to look at how is he helping me today? And, you know, also just constant prayer. I was mm-hmm. constantly talking to God, I'd just drawing strength. And every time worry would enter my mind or thinking, man, I'm never going to sleep again. Or, you know, this with my mom, I'm never going to be able to handle it if she dies. And I, you know, am here left without her. I had to just give it to God every single time. And sometimes that meant casting it to him a hundred times a day, you know, mm-hmm. but eventually I learned to cast it and leave it and be able to walk in that freedom and rest of knowing he has it. He's taking care of it. And even if it remains for a while, eventually there's an end. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to be able to look down the road and know that this isn't forever. And there is a start time and an end time to trials. And I just have to remain for now and that he will get me through. And I loved the scripture in Isaiah where it talks about, you know, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and the waters rise, they will not overtake you. And I used to think pass through the waters. I just want to go around the waters or mm-hmm. over the waters yes. or not even just, can I just yeah, turn around? Can I just go back? <laughs> but you know, he says through. And so often his way is through those hard things to get to the other side. Um, and I really learned that, you know what, I can trust God through the trial because if there's the other side, like he's going to be with me that yeah. whole way and get me to the other side. Right. And so I can do it if I know there's me, another side. It reminds me of the book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Yeah. Can't go over it. Can't go <laughs> right. around it. You got to go through it. Got to go through anyway. it. <laughs> no, but it's so true. And in Romans 8, Paul says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he'll reveal to us later. Yes, exactly. So, so how does viewing what has happened through an eternal perspective change you? Oh, in lots of ways. I mean, for one, you know, I used to be a little bit more anxious or fearful about the thought of trials Mm. and thinking, oh my gosh, what if this happens or that happens? And that would just be way too hard or I couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And now my approach is, you know what? God will, he will get me through because he did. And I watched his provisions and I watched different things that he, you know, did during that time where he, um, I didn't finish saying on the Medicaid when they, you know, took her into the nursing home. Um, I think the nursing bills ended up being somewhere in like the $25,000 range and Medicaid went back and back paid all of it. It's crazy. And we were heard from, yeah, our Medicaid lawyer said that literally has never happened in all the years that he's, yeah. So, you know, there's miracles like that, that we're going on and providing. And so even when you think, oh my gosh, this is so big, or I don't know what God is going to do. Don't doubt what he is able to do because, you know, he does the impossible and he really does it in practical ways. And you don't have to worry about if you're going to get through or how you just have to be walking with him. And if Mm -hmm. you know, you're walking with him, you know, he has an answer and that it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, I really learned to do that. And then also learning about daily bread that I have to know that he promises daily bread. He's not promising my bread tomorrow or the next day or the next day. It says right now. And so oftentimes he whispers to me, did you have what you need today? And I think, yeah, I did. And then he goes, Mm. okay. So then it's like, I guess enough said, like I had what I needed so I can next tomorrow, it'll be there again. It is fascinating that he tells us that our daily bread, yeah. you know, he doesn't give us a freezer full of <laughs> no. full spiritual food for a month. It's, no, it's daily, it's daily, it's daily. Yes. And, you know, also just, I thought every time you go through a trial, you have two options, you know, you can surrender to it and walk through it well, or you can freak out 
You can be mad. You can mm-hmm. stay bitter and you can walk through unchanged. And it's kind of like, what outcome do you want? Do you mm-hmm. want to be changed or do you want to remain the same? And because ha- and, guess what? The cost is still the same. You still have to go through the mm-hmm. pain. You still have to go through the hard time. But for me, I wanted to be changed. So I tried to press into God during those times and go, this hurts and I don't like it yeah. at all. And I wish you did not send this, but I know you have something in it. So how do you want me to become more like you? How can I serve? How can I hear from you and see what you're doing? And Mm -hmm. so that was my biggest thing was like, Lord, if this must be necessary, then give me eyes to see as I walk because I need to be different when I come out the other side. So part of that too, for me was walking in peace, um, walking in trust and not just trusting in him, but making him my trust, which meant that even in the chaos or anxiety or fear, I could actually walk through with really a deep down piece. It didn't mean Mm -hmm. that you didn't feel any of those feelings. It was just that deep, deep down, you had an underlying piece of him going, I got you. This is going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, scripture talks about how suffering produces perseverance. And I saw that in you. And I also saw that in your mom in a different way because she couldn't do anything. Right. Um, You were doing, doing, helping, serving. She couldn't do much. Yes. You know, if my mom could be joyful where she couldn't even, you know, raise her arm to scratch an itch, something so simple that we do probably a thousand times a day without thinking about it, just realizing, wow, God, like we don't, you don't have to give us these abilities, Mm -hmm. like everything that we have and the freedom we have to just go about our day and do normal activities is such a gift. And so I really learned to look at every little thing that we're able to do as being a gift from God. And instead of having these expectations of like, well, God should give me this or allow me to do this or have these blessings in my life that no, it's thank you, God, because you, you actually, you don't have to do any of this. I could be sitting in here in this situation without it, you know, shows you how little control we have. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then to also, you know, be able to, um, look at God and understand him as a loving father, even in the midst, because I think, you know, it's easy in that pain and suffering to think, how could you be good? If you're allowing all of this, why, why would Mm -hmm. you do this? And I think, you know, if he didn't spare Jesus, Mm -hmm. right, then he's not going to spare us. And so sometimes we just have to be crushed in order for the good to come out, you know, just like olives. Yes. Yeah. And And refined, you know, the gold when it's heated up so hot that it can't see and all those impurities melt off. Mm -hmm. And that really is the picture in these trials is that if we cooperate with God, he will allow that heat to get so high that the impurities of that nastiness of just sin and things that are not pleasing to him Mm -hmm. come out and we can address it and we can become better and more Mm -hmm. like him in the end. Right. So another thing that I really learned about through this situation was the idea of deep roots. And it comes from Jeremiah 17. And he talks about being the tree planted along the riverbank who has deep roots that go down into the underground source of water. Mm -hmm. And that when the trial comes and when the heat and the drought comes, that the tree is not afraid because it's tapped into that underground source. Its leaves stay green and it goes on producing fruit. And for me, that was such an encouragement because I knew that, you know what, that's the promise we have is that we can flourish in Mm -hmm. trial if we are tapped into the right source. Mm -hmm. And the only source is Jesus. And he gives us the strength and the ability through his Holy Spirit to be able to withstand the trial. And we will still be green and we will still be producing fruit and have these good things. And it's like, wow, I can still have peace. I can have joy. I can, you know, see this totally different. And the answer is yes, because you don't have to go through it in a way where you're kicking and screaming or, or being upset and not seeing, you know, through that eternal perspective, if our roots are planted. And so 
in saying that, you know, you kind of hear sometimes people talk about, you know, if you either just come out of a trial, right. you're currently in a trial, you're about to go in one. Well, in any of those scenarios, that's where those that rootedness is important. Yeah. And so if you're not in a trial right now or you've just come out of one. And then you need to be in the word every day, mm -hmm. drawing from that source because he needs to build you up so that when that rain comes, you are strong and yes. you are rooted and it's not going to wipe you out. Right. If you're not rooted, who knows what can happen? Yes. You know? So I got to see a really cool physical picture of this. So last summer, I got invited to this writer's retreat in Italy, which was crazy. But we went out to this beautiful vineyard one day, and they were actually talking about how Tuscany has a really dry season mm -hmm. and how these vines, and I forget the number because I think they use meters or something, and I don't know what the translation was, but it was crazy how deep those roots will actually go to get to a water source in dry seasons. Yes. But they do it. Mm -hmm. So it was just such a picture of us. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think God does that intentionally. Oh, yeah. I think we can say, I love seeing all of those metaphors in nature or just oh, yeah. the physical world that yes. he's trying to communicate to us these spiritual truths. For sure, because we have scripture, but then I think we also have the book of nature. Mm -hmm. Like he teaches us so much through creation. So much. Yes, absolutely. So if you can switch your perspective of trials as an invitation rather than an inconvenience, because it's an invitation to come in and to come close. And it's an invitation to become more like him. And it's also an invitation if you're on the side of serving and you're not the one maybe, mm -hmm. you know, going with the suffering at that time, you're suffering maybe in a different way. Because I know for me, it was, you know, physical, mental, emotional suffering that was going on at the same time that my mom was physically suffering and emotionally too. Um, so there are different measures of that. But, you know, when you're looking at that, you go, okay, this is an invitation and God is calling me close. That's and good. so I... I don't like to try to refuse the hard things, you know, accept them and surrender uh, because they will come no matter what. I mean, you're guaranteed that life is hard. There's just tough things out there. But in our society, that's very countercultural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We want happy. We don't want any of the crud. Yeah. And, you know, that brings you to like the broad and the narrow path. You know, he tells mm -hmm. us to walk on the narrow path because few find it. Mm -hmm. And it's so true that most people you're going to watch and see, they're going to take the narrow road. And that might mean, no, I'm not going to inconvenience my life. No, no, I'm not going to sacrifice. No, I'm not going to, you know, do whatever that hard thing is in your life that God might be asking you to do or go through. Because right, I want the comfort. Yeah, I want the comfort. But it's like, okay, if you want the comfort, you're trading all of the other things that he wants to teach you and show you and the blessing. I mean, God has really poured out, you know, blessings upon us after that trial right. and just the things that we got to see. And, you know, the day after she died, I remember having a quiet time with him. And of course, you know, I was upset, but it was this weird, you know, upset and joy mix, this joy and sorrow, yeah. knowing she's free, knowing she's with him. And I was so comforted by that, but yet of course, missing her. And I think because of the situation and walking closely with him during that time, that is the one time in my life where I felt his presence more than any other time in my life. To right where, after she died? Right after she died the next day. Yeah. And one of the devotions I was reading that morning, the title was, He Weeps With Us. Mm. So fitting. You know, he just loves to do that sometimes. Just match it up perfectly. And um, I had this warmth come over me where I physically felt warm and, and kind of hot. And I had this joy like well up within me. And I remember right then the doorbell rang and someone was bringing, one of my friends was bringing me something um, like, I don't know, cups or plates for people that were going to be there. And I opened the door and I had tears running down my face, but I had the biggest smile on my face and my face felt so warm. And she looked at me and she said, you're 
glowing. And it was just, I just knew it was just the presence Mm. of God that was just comforting me during that time. So just another way to know he shows up and he Mm. never, never, never leaves you. And so even if he says you have to cry, I'll be there and I'm going to comfort you. So that was the day after. What did the rest of the grieving process look like? And even today, five years later, like I know there are probably still sad moments and hard times. My kids aren't getting to be with her right now, you know, but what's that look like for you? You know, for me, I felt like the grieving process kind of was, I feel like I kind of went through it more closely to the time of Mm. her death. I knew that I wanted to be really healthy, have a healthy approach about that. And I didn't want to dwell on the fact that, you know, she wasn't here. I wanted mm. to really focus on the fact that she was free and mm-hmm. she was healed. You probably did grieve a lot leading up to it. Oh yeah. You know, and that's the other thing for me in this process, because it was a process that was also a blessing to me because I think God allowed me to slowly grieve along the way, mm. which helped me to let go in the end. I think if it would have been a shock or something mm-hmm. really quick, that, that would have been a different story. I think my grieving process would have looked different, yeah. but I think it was part of his grace to let me slowly loosen the grip. And it was hard at first just to come to that reality of like, wow, I can't go anywhere to yeah. see her. So that, that was weird. But, um, I do think too, with the grieving process is that even like today, you know, of course I have fond memories or there might be things I'm like, Oh, I wish she could be here to see, you know, see that. But one of the promises that we do have also in Isaiah, and I just thought about this the other day, I think God drew my attention back to this was that, um, in Isaiah 58, he says, you know, if, if you are spending your lives on the behalf of the hungry and helping the afflicted and bringing the homeless poor into your house, there's a conditional promise at the end. And one of the things in there, he says, your healing will come quickly and your gloom will be as the noonday sun. And so it just resonated with me that I think he brought healing in my, my grief quickly to me, um, because in giving up, of those things and serving her in that way, he came to me in my need because I was looking out for her need. And I think that he helped, you know, heal those wounds. And I think also he made that gloomy time mm-hmm. seem almost as light because he helped me to look beyond and go, yeah. she's okay. She's here, yeah. you know, and, and you, I'll see her again. You, I mean, yeah, yeah, this isn't the end. Yeah. And I just keep thinking, you know, for a while, you know, death and all that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I just, sure. you know, just thinking through, oh my gosh, that it process. And it's just a strange, yeah, it's a strange thought. But one thing it helped me too is I thought, you know what, our our spirit is always alive. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's alive. It's eternally alive mm-hmm. when we're, you know, with Christ and he's given us that new life. So really it's more of a transfer. We're transferring mm-hmm. from here to there. Our mm-hmm. body, our outer shell is dying, but really we're always fully alive, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And Jesus says that when he talks about the yeah. patriarchs, how they are always alive always. to God. Yes. Exactly. And so we know it's not just a promise. It's true right now. It's true right now. Exactly. And I, now, I don't know how that exactly plays out or what that looks like, <laughs> right. but that's where we just trust God. But it's a good promise. And that's what helps us have hope and grief, you know, is that Mm-hmm. Hey, they're alive and they're mm-hmm. within, and so we can be comforted. And also, why we have urgency on this earth to share the gospel. Yeah, because this is what people desperately need. Absolutely. Yeah. How can if you don't know Jesus and you don't have someone to walk through? I don't know how you would go through these mm-hmm. hard times. You need you have a lot to more questions. To him. You have a lot more yeah. grief. I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. And he's the one who's there to help and to be with you. He's not the one. You know, you just don't look at him as like, oh no, this is some angry thing that he's throwing upon you. No, know, he's mm-hmm. he's wanting to walk you through and let he, let you know that. He's there and he's your father and he cares and Mm -hmm. he really is love. Well, you talked about how, you know, we all go through different seasons of hardships. Mm -hmm. And real quick, I just kind of want you to touch on something else that you guys have been going through in the past several years, because it's been another storm that you've been facing. Tell us about that. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, um, one day my husband came home and um, he said, well, 
I lost my job. They're closing down my department. We had no warning, no, you know, idea that this mm-hmm. would be happening. So we were out of a job and And you had just moved into a new we house. We had just moved into a new house. Yeah. Yeah. Had you had closed built. on it. We had built. Yes. So it was very awkward timing for all of that. But I remember <laughs> thinking <laughs> I mean, I like how you said that. <laughs> yeah. It's very awkward. It's, it's just not what you're <laughs> expecting, you know. You're like, wow, I got this new house and boom, no job. Okay, great, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it was great because I could draw back from going, okay, I've been here. This is familiar. Maybe not the exact same storm, the exact same circumstance, but we've been here before we've had bad news. We've mm-hmm. been here before we have to rely on God, right? And mm-hmm. there's certain things that you learn about him that you go, okay if I really believe you're the provider, then it's going to show right now because Mm -hmm. I can say, I believe that about you, but my actions have to show my belief. And so for us, that was a very, very big reality was if we got to, you know, it's kind of like putting your money where your mouth is like, okay, God, like, it's like, all right. Okay. If you're my provider, I say you're trustworthy. I say you're trustworthy. Yeah. Do I really believe you're going to do this and sustain us through this time? So anyways, yeah, it ended up being a 22 month long journey this month will actually be like the first month that we're getting a a paycheck in 22 months. Mm. So, uh, and we did not, nothing happened. We did not have to lose our house. We did not have Mm -hmm. to, we did, we were never a day without need. You just use savings. Yes. We just use savings. And so, yeah, we're just trusting God for restoration of all of that. But Mm -hmm. one thing I did want to say through all of that too, is that all through that process, we continued to give. We continued to, we did not change our giving. Mm-hmm. We did not change our help to others that we were supporting because we knew that, again, God has called us to be generous. He's called us to take care of those in need. And we just really believe that if we're taking care of others around us, he's He's taking care of us and he will not let us go without. Yes, And he did. And he sustained us. And, you know, we're excited for the new path mm-hmm. that he has us on, but we could draw from everything he taught us the first time around. Uh, we could walk through it with much mm-hmm. more peace, much more joy and trust in him. Right. And even a story within the story, I guess, within the story is just recently back in, when was it? May, June, we had a crazy amount of rain around here, like uh, record breaking rain. Yes. What was it for the first time in, I forget how many years it was, 50 at least. I think it was around, yeah, 50 or so. Yeah. But they live in a neighborhood that actually backs up to the Arkansas River, which is what was flooding. (laughs) And literally it got up to what, eight feet away from your fence? Yes, it was eight feet away from our back fence. And we were told that it would probably flood the streets around us, maybe even come up into our house. So we had to sandbag and move furniture. And, you know, all of this is while, like you said, trial within a trial, we did not have a job. We did Mm -hmm. not have flood insurance. So... A few days actually before that had happened, I had been back reading in Isaiah and I had just really read through that part where he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. When they rise, they won't overtake you. And I just was thinking, you know, my my normal stuff about, okay, Lord, you're with us through all these things. I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> not, and literally. Then, not literally. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the flood and I thought, oh my gosh, were you just preparing me? Like, hey, don't worry. I got you. Like, and yeah. nothing happened. We thankfully. didn't. Yep. Thankfully mm-hmm. nothing flooded. So again, just watching God's faithfulness and him show mm-hmm. up and he really is the provider. And, and he is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Like if I can tell you anything, I would say, don't doubt who he is and know his names, you know, know that he's a provider and the healer and the mm-hmm. uh, Emmanuel, the one with you. I mean, learn mm-hmm. his character because that's what you will grip onto yeah. during those times. And what I like, I don't like it, but it's not just that you've been rescued from the storm every time. Yeah. Some of it has been really awful. Oh yeah. You still have, yeah, it didn't end. You've, like you've you had wanted. to go through it. It hasn't yeah. ended. People have died. Yeah. You know, things right. have been very difficult. Yes. And then there 
have been times like, you know, the river where he literally spared you. Yeah. But you can say you are trustworthy through each and every situation and scenario. Yes, definitely. Which is amazing. And it's been really awesome throughout 13 years to see that play out in your life. Thank you. Thank you. So in past seasons or in this current season, do you have any resources that you want to pass along to us? Yes. Um, One of my favorite ones that I continually spend time in is a little book called Waiting on God by Andrew Murray. Uh, It's just a short, like 31 day little devotion, but so packed with great truths about really our dependence and our need to wait on God. Mm -hmm. So many times we want to get anxious and jump in and put it into our own hands, but just the need to wait on him and that he'll show up. So I love that. And then we've read that together. Yes, we have. Yes. And then um, another one that two other books that kind of go together, which actually we've done a study together on this one too, Jen, is um, Victory Over the Darkness and uh, Bondage Breakers. Both are on freedom in Christ and your identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you don't know who you are in Christ, it is really hard to stay rooted and it's hard to know how you can make it through different things because of the promises that you have in God and then also just staying free of the entanglements of the world. And Mm -hmm. so I really recommend that for for any believer. Yeah, for sure. And then really for other resources, I just, I love to listen to other podcasts of just other pastors and teachers. Mm-hmm. And so some of my favorites are um, Francis Chan, Matt Chandler, Craig Gochelle, Alex Amaya, John Piper. Those mm-hmm. are some of my go-to guys for, all so good. Um, yeah, for learning and also just don't neglect though, to spend time just solely in God's word, because I feel like there's so many resources out there and I love that. And they're, they're great, but nothing can replace God's word. It's living and active. Mm-hmm. So for me, so I, pick one. Yeah, I go, go to the word, you know, if you yeah. got to just be in there, but then yes, use supplements with these other things, but for sure, don't neglect to spend time just in his word. So good. Will you just leave us with one final word of encouragement that you really want us to take with us and remember as we go into our week? I think my biggest thing would just be don't refuse the hard things, you know, stick it out, endure. It's going to be worth it. You will not regret it. Uh, Stay close to him uh, through abiding, you know, abiding means to remain, just remain in him because I promise he will not let you down. Even if the final outcome is not what you were hoping for, Mm -hmm. he really won't let you down. You will be there and you will see something good come from it in your life. And don't settle. Don't settle for just normal everyday life. Everyday life is just, you know, what Mm -hmm. we're doing, our daily tasks, our running kids around, going to work. Um, God has so much more for your life. And most of that is pouring into other people. And so don't neglect to disciple one another and bring them along and encourage them and let other people disciple you. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what it's about is just loving each other and loving God. Thank you so much, Jen. You're You're awesome. And Derek and I just love you and Matt. We're so grateful for your friendship and for who you guys are. Thank you. Thanks for sharing today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Like Jen said, let's not refuse the hard things. We know this isn't the end of the story. We know God is working and moving and drawing hearts to Him even right now at this moment, even in the face of suffering. And we know that a time is coming when every tear will be wiped away and death will be swallowed up by life forever. Guys, because of that, let's fight the good fight. Let's finish our race and let's keep the faith. Well, as always, you can find the resources mentioned in the conversation notes. You can join our email list at ginjil.com and be the first to know when a new episode goes live. You can subscribe in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also connect with the Messy Table Podcast on Instagram and get added encouragement throughout your week. More than anything, please feel free to share. Share on social media, share with a friend. 
And as you get back to your people and your places, remember that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.